This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Super Bowl is set. Welcome back to the show. Sean Drotter, Sandy Clough with you. Danny Bailey in the booth. The Chiefs and the 49ers. Chiefs in the last six AFC championships. The 49ers in the last three NFC championships to finally get to square off against one another in what should be a really fascinating matchup. Joining us uh, now to talk about that is our friend from Fox 31, Aaron Anderson. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Super Bowl 58 for those who can't instinctively read LVIII uh, all that quick, <laughs> you might have to eventually move away from those at a certain point. I don't know if they even teach those in school anymore. But are the I just I would start with this: Are these the two best teams in the league? Uh, boy, great question. They, they were yesterday. They did enough to get wins. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, at this point, I, I, I think you really find out what teams find a way to, to get it done, re- regardless of who has the best defense or where the games are played or any of those things. And ultimately, yesterday you saw a Chiefs team beat the uh, the top-rated rushing attack in football, the top defense in football to, to move on to Las Vegas. And then you saw an incredible comeback that certainly was aided by Dan Campbell, but you can't take anything away from Brock Purdy and the 49ers who rallied to win uh, in the divisional round against the Packers. So you've got two teams who, you know, have shown the ability to get it done when their backs are against the wall. Kansas City, sixth Super Bowl, fourth in the last five years. San Francisco's eighth, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, eighth Super Bowl, no win since 94. 94 Sean right? out on, on Friday. But seven times since 2011, the 49ers have made at least the NFC Championship game. That's extraordinary. Again, no Super Bowl wins. And a rematch from four years ago. But the teams are different, aren't they? Uh, Really, from four years ago, I mean, 49ers have a different quarterback. Uh, That's one huge difference. And Mm -hmm. the Chiefs are winning with defense at least as much as they're winning with offense. That wasn't the case in 2019 no not at all and don't forget three of those championship game runs for the 49ers were led by a guy that the broncos are going to see on the opposite sideline twice a year from now on in jim harbaugh right um but but you're right these are two very very different football teams and you know i i think the new pieces and and maybe some of the pieces that are missing maybe make this an even better football game because i think if you look at the matchup you hit it on the head sandy that the chiefs did enough offensively to win but it was defense that yeah, led the way. Sure. And that was the big play, yes, don't you think? That the Sneed punch out of uh, uh, the the Flowers' apparent touchdown and the ball's there and Kansas City yep. recovers. And Sneed was the guy Flowers taunted just a few moments earlier. That's right. And, you know, it, it just it's one of those crazy games where you look at it and in Baltimore, quite frankly, had, had a great opportunity to win that game, and it of was course. just self-inflicted wounds. Absolutely. You had the interception in the end zone, you had yep. the fumble in the end zone, and you had just really dumb, out-of-character <laughs> yeah. personal fouls. Yeah. And, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, keeping your head in the heat of the moment. And as you touched on with Flowers, moments after he's, he's given a penalty for taunting, he coughs up the football at the, the goal line, and then... It looked like he had punched something on the sideline and well, cut he punched his finger, it. He sat down on the bench and started smashing it, and obviously uh, cut his hand. 
<laughs> yeah. And was yeah, not no, targeted right. for the remainder of the game. No targets. Probably because he, he couldn't catch a football at that point. He Probably. damaged himself. So, no, two, two very interesting games. You know, the, the thing I was left with in, in that Lions game, and you feel so bad for Detroit fans who've waited, you know, since the, the, the late 50s to see a team play for a championship, is just the fact that you know, their, their head coach, they, they just don't have any big, any big bodies on the sideline big enough to tackle Dan Campbell in the heat of the moment and say, stop, let's take a deep breath and think about what we're doing. And we saw that at the end of that Cowboys game in the regular season where there, were, there was a miscommunication in terms of the tackle or whoever was going to yeah, be eligible. Yeah. And, they got a little too uh, cute. But I thought they yeah. got cute yesterday, too. You got to go for it at the end of the first half. And he didn't. That made yeah. no sense to me. Well, You had no, to go a- for the touchdown there. And he got scared. And uh, here's a guy who goes for it more than anybody else. And I know the criticisms. <laughs> I know the criticisms come on what happened yesterday, but I thought the big play, especially you look back in hindsight, it's twenty-one-seven. You got to bury them. You, yeah. You're running over them the whole first half, and you chicken out on fourth and two or fourth, whatever it was, three. and and yep. you kick a field goal. And by the way, for people who think this Badgley character is uh, automatic. From forty to forty nine, he ain't, and no. so I, I, I thought actually, if you're gonna do that, and he, he operates this way most of the time. You got to do it all the time. You can't pick your spots and say, "Well, I'm gonna do it here, but I'm not gonna do it here." I can no. understand if it's fourth and seven, and it's yeah. different from fourth and two or fourth and three. But if you're going for it on fourth and two, if you're going for it on fourth and three, fourth and two, fourth and one. You got to do it every time. Yeah, and that's what the Chiefs do. That's what the Chiefs did yesterday, early in the game, in their own end of the field. They went for it on fourth down. Absolutely, I I think the key, as you laid out, is is to be consistent with it. But uh, in the same breath, I'll say, boy, in a championship game, when you have a chance to make something a three possession game, you're playing on the road. He talked after the fact of, hey, I wanted to seize momentum and get it back on our side. Well you come up short and guess where the momentum stays. And, you know, it was just one of those things where, gosh, in that first half I was thinking that Detroit team probably matched up better, at least from my perspective at that, that standpoint of the game, than the 49ers might have against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But, you know, you just saw that, that game shift and you saw the 49ers start to, to mount that comeback. And, right. boy, I, I think you tip your cap to Brock Purdy. I'm actually excited for him because I, I think the label has certainly been this is, you know, a guy who's happy to check down. He's a game manager. He's not a winner. Well, listen, he, he's led two comebacks in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually excited to see what he does on the big stage. We'll see how he handles that kind of pressure. Well, he'll be facing off against the guy that we know handles pressure in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's no concern Man. about that. You know, it's, it's one of those uh, situations with, with Mahomes now. And I'll, I'll give you the, the stat that I uh, let off the show with talking about how effective he is with his top receivers. You look at the top guys that he can throw to. You, you know, your tight end, your running back, and your top two wide receivers. Against Kelsey, with Kelsey, Rice, Valdez, Scantling, and Isaiah Pacheco, he threw 26 pass attempts to those four targets. They connected on 25 of them, including 11 and 11 for Kelsey and the touchdown. And that rhythm 
And, and you can argue that, you know, Kelsey is by far the best. I think Rice, I think every, I think a lot of people really like Rice, but he's he's not Tyreek Hill. He's not a speed guy. He's yeah. a bigger body. And Valdez Scanling, you're just trying to get some clutch catches and Pacheco's or dump-offs outside. I get that. But it, it stunned me how a good Baltimore defense, a very good Baltimore defense, could do nothing against Kelsey. And, and I'm of the belief at this point that I'm like, right now with those two guys, nobody can do anything to stop Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You simply have to find a way to get around it to win the game. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I mean, look, there's going to be a lot of talk between now and kickoff on Super Bowl Sunday about Pat Mahomes versus Tom Brady's numbers through the first, you know, six years of being a starting quarterback. Absolutely. And Mahomes' Should numbers are, are actually ahead of Brady's at this point. And as, as we pointed out at the top of the interview here, <clears throat> these are two different offenses that he's running. So his ability to make it work is really something you have to tip your cap to. And yeah. unfortunately for the Broncos, He's not going anywhere anytime soon. And yeah, I think, I don't remember who I saw on Twitter, but the idea was, well, maybe this is all going to work out in the Broncos' favor because if the Chiefs win this Super Bowl, go back-to-back, maybe there's a chance Andy Reid retires. Because unless that's the case... There have been some rumblings about that. This would be a reoccurring headache for the Orange and Blue for years to come, trying to keep up with the Chiefs, who, as as we've talked about, have become a, a dynasty in the matter of, you know, six years. Well, if they aren't a dynasty, I don't know what is. I, I mean, yeah. they're clearly a dynasty. In a, right? a parody-based league? Right. Yeah. Four Super Bowls in five years? Six straight championships? And six straight conference Mahomes has never missed the AFC championship? Yeah. That's the far, That's the earliest the season's ever ended? It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, six championships. I mean, yeah. he did lose a few of those. Right. No, I mean, but, I mean, the, his but, season has never ended prior to the right. championship and he wins, game. They win the division <laughs> every year, yeah. even though we know from watching them that they do take Sundays off. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Thursday nights and sometimes Monday nights. We know that that, that happens to them from time to time. But in the sure. playoffs, you know what was weird, and I'd like your comment on this. They had a challenge that was different in the playoffs this year because they took more Sundays off than we're used to seeing them because they couldn't figure out what they were doing offensively until very, very late in the season. Maybe even in the playoffs it kind of uh, clicked in. But the fact that they yeah, were faced with that challenge of playing on the road and people saying, well, they've never had to play on the road, therefore they're not only going to be underdogs, but we don't think they can win on the road. Do you think psychologically maybe that was all they needed? I mean, they couldn't say we were getting disrespected. Heck, they won the Super Bowl last year. But they could say it kind of, sort of, in the sense that, well, they've never had to prove themselves on the road right. in the playoffs. Yeah, well, we all remember the, the lines from Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, right, where he'd say, well, I took that personally. Or, you know, whatever the manufactured uh, motivation might have been right. for him, and, and maybe that's right. the case with, with an athlete like Mahomes and, and his teammates there in Kansas yeah. City, where it's not like they're just tiptoeing through the schedule, but maybe there needs to be something in front of them, a, a mountain they've got to climb. And a, a challenge that they never climbed to, before. Right. Absolutely. And, and you're right. There was that talk entering the postseason, which was, wow, you know, those Chiefs, eh, they've had it so easy. They've played all these playoff right. games at home. We'll see what happens when they go to Buffalo. That's yeah, when yeah. they're yeah. going to get their come up. Abs- right? Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I picked against them both times and I, I, <laughs> I'd certainly not out of disrespect, but I just thought it was Buffalo's time. And yesterday I thought it was Baltimore's time. And, and the Chiefs just, uh, especially when it really mattered, they just smothered 
those teams because now they have a defense. And yeah. and people under I think the most underrated coordinator in the league for the past better part of 15 years now, maybe a little more than that, because he was a head coach for part of that time, is Steve Spagnuolo. And they the have stars on all three levels. You think uh, about Chris Jones on, on the defense, line. Yeah. Right. You think about yeah. Nick Bolton yeah. in, on in the linebacker crew. You think about Sneed. Sneed in the secondary. In the secondary. And they have more. Yeah, they have but, more. He's the big but, but you have stars on all three levels, which allows you to do things. And that, that's I, I want to go to the, that to you with Aaron. We're talking with Aaron Anderson of Fox 31, Aaron Anderson on social. What the Chiefs have done in the last two games against mobile quarterbacks, which they, which now becomes interesting because of what we saw with Brock Purdy. I went back and looked at those. I looked at the yesterday's game this morning, and I did that last week. It's almost a little old school. What the Chiefs did in the second half against the Bills and what they did against uh, the, the, the Ravens yesterday was very straightforward. They they divided the defense up into vertical slices. They divided the field up, and they made sure that they had guys that held that area so you didn't have an opportunity for a play fake to allow Lamar Jackson to come out and run, and then no one was there. They did the same thing in the second half to Josh Allen. So the, the idea where those guys create deception where then they break away for these long runs to the outside, you think about the runs that they had, both Allen and, and Jackson, they were up the middle. Now, you can't yeah. do much about that if they break containment in the pocket. But Kansas City was adamant in both of those games to make sure that their guys held their lanes and did not give them up, and that seemed to frustrate Allen in the second half, and it definitely frustrated Jackson yesterday. Now with the increased mobility of Brock Purdy, which Sandy, I think, correctly identified is probably the reason the Niners were able to come out on top in this game. Kansas City seems to have figured something out when it comes to the mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, without question. And and forcing those quarterbacks to beat you with their arms. And, and, (laughs) you know, it's funny. I mean, here you have the guy who's going to be the consensus MVP, and, you know, in that fourth quarter, he just, for lack of a better way to spin it, he just looked completely con- confused. He did. He did. And, oh, I mean, he's throwing, throwing into, into triple coverage triple on that Triple coverage. Pick. Yeah, and, you, you know, he walks off the field, and he throws his helmet, yep. and, I mean, that was, that was the ball game. You just saw that, and you're like, wow, they have beaten this guy who has had his way with NFL defenses since, you know, early September. So, I, yeah, I, I think Spagnola deserves a oh. heaping helping of credit. That defense, by the way, was without William Gay yesterday and still mm-hmm. put up four yes. sacks. And so he, we they, know here in Denver how good a player oh he my is. Gosh. Of course we do. So, you know, the, the idea that, you know, these are two different teams that, you know, are, are going to play in two weeks versus the one that played four years ago, yep. those teams, yep. you're absolutely right. And this Chiefs defense does not get enough credit. But I guarantee you as Kyle Shanahan and his uh, coordinators take a look at game tape and whatnot, they're going to realize oh. how formidable that unit is because that is the group that's going to lead Kansas City to a victory. Mahomes is going to do his thing, and they're going to put points on the board, but that defense is really going to be the key, as we know. Think about this when you when you talk about that matchup. Here are the players on offense for both teams that, that are still on the team. For San Francisco, Debo Samuel, who had a good game in that Super Bowl. Uh, of course, George Kittle as well, who did not. And Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback. Yeah. That's it for Kansas City. It is Kelsey. It is McCole Hardman. Who hardly plays. Who hardly plays. And Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Yeah. That's it. That's it. For those two defenses. Whole new offensive both line. offenses. That's it. I mean, yeah. that, that turnover. It, it, and, and I guess I look at that and I say that's the credit that the front offices, 
and the coaches mm-hmm. should get because Absolutely. that shows you if those two teams, which are Super Bowl teams four years ago, have that much turnover yeah. and still come back in there, they've never and they never left the stage. They didn't do what the Broncos have done and just gotten abysmal and had to fight their way back <laughs> up. They have continued yeah. to compete yeah. despite the turnover, and here they are back again four years later with mostly new casts competing for the Lombardi Trophy. So it it can be done. And Shanahan and Reed and Lynch, they deserve a lot of credit for that. They do. It, it leaves you scratching your head because we haven't seen a Broncos team that was truly competitive since 2016 when they went 9-7. and seven. And you're right. I mean, this franchise has just fallen off the deep end while you've got two clubs that find a way to continue to better themselves. And, you know, through signing big free agents like Bosa and whoever it may be, they're still finding a way. Now, that 49ers certainly – deserve a lot of credit. I mean, Purdy was the last guy taken in the draft, so he's not costing them a lot of money, but in this day and age not of the now. salary cap. Um, <laughs> not no, now he's not. Not now, <laughs> but in this day and age of the salary cap, they're finding a way to get it done. And yep. As you guys have, have painted the picture, these are two franchises who have been contenders for some time. I, I want to touch on one quick point before we let you go, because we were talking about this earlier, and I'd like to get your take on it. The two guys who are still out there, we all thought would have head coaching jobs by now are Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel. When you hear the term collaboration, they aren't the first two guys you think of. Either is the guy here coaching the Broncos right now. When you hear Sean Payton's name, you don't think, oh, that's a guy whose approach is based on collaboration. A lot of the coaches hired and the two Super Bowl coaches clearly seem to collaborate. What about that? Hmm. Uh, good point. I mean, I, I think my I'm, point I'm being to, the Lone Ranger Act doesn't work anymore. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you know there's there's been so much talk of Belichick, and I don't remember where I heard it originally. Was the idea that his philosophy doesn't work anymore? In in other words, the Patriot Way has run its course. And, you know, I, I guess the thought might be that Vrabel, because he comes from that tree, would be part of that thinking. But, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I, I quite buy into that. I, I still think that Bill Belichick would be a guy who would, would take information and take ideas from, from other, you know, coaches and uh, philosophies around the league, if, if that's what you're into. Well, yeah, but the thing with Belichick, and I'm not saying it's always been a bad thing, I think he's brilliant. Well, it's not necessarily Belichick. And, it's what teams want yeah, anymore. But that's, it, it, teams don't want that. And they look, and it, this is probably unfair, and they say the Patriot way was Tom Brady. Mm. <laughs> How did the Patriot way work briefly before Brady was starting and for years after he left? What, what mm. was the Patriot way? And the other thing about Belichick is that he's always had total control in in Foxborough, always had it, and also has had the smallest coaching staff in the league. And I kind of laugh at the size of some of these coaching staffs now, but I don't think you get by with nine or ten anymore either. And that's Belichick. And that's Vrabel, too. That's Vrabel. Vrabel's a one-man band. 
and 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 mostly I think during his time in Tennessee for the for the good, but he obviously clashed with at least two general managers, the two guys mm-hmm. who are the general managers. Well, he clashed with them. He won one power struggle and lost the other when the owner got tired. Wait, wait a minute, he's the constant here. We fired one GM and now we've got another one and he fights with him too. I'm just saying other owners and other executives look at that. You think Richie McKay wanted Bill Belichick in Atlanta? Hardly. He's the CEO. You think Fontenot wanted him and wanted Belichick to come in and say, you got to fire your staff because I'm bringing in my folks. Aaron, is that sort of a canary in the coal mine for the idea of a Sean Payton in Denver who definitely runs That's things like asking. that? Uh, boy, that that's a great question. You know, one of the things that I I wondered is is I've looked at Belichick and in, in the positions that he's interviewed for is if a franchise is trying to rebuild, is that the personality you want to present to the public? This guy who's exactly. a sourpuss, who never exactly. smiles, who fights with everybody. I right. don't think so. Right. Vrabel would be a guy that I think a, a team would still be interested in. And Seattle may hire. Ability. Seattle may hire. Absolutely. Seattle Absolutely. But. But pointing back to Sean Payton, yeah, Sean Payton's a guy who who does things his way. I mean, if if there's anything we've learned over the last year or so <laughs> is that this man is no nonsense, and if you don't you don't fit his eye, if if you're not his idea for a quarterback coordinator or whatever, or general manager, you're not going to be around very long because it's it's the way he operates. I think Sean Payton, however, has a different kind of charisma to him where. Even though he's a tough coach, who's who's going to operate with tough love and who's not afraid to throw people under the bus and tell you what he thinks, I think he's still a guy that you trot out there and the fan base is going to wrap their arms around, provided he can win. Because I, he's shown the ability to do it and do it recently. Where Bill Belichick, as you hit it on the head, once Brady left, it's kind of like boy that outside of the one year with Mac Jones where they, they did squeak into the postseason, there hasn't been a whole lot to cheer about. So True. I, I I don't know that I would put Vrabel, Belichick, and Peyton in the same – I wouldn't put them in the same box. They, they, they certainly are guys who are wanted to, to do things solo and, you know, with their guys. I mean, my goodness, the Broncos have, have added another piece of the Saints puzzle today. I mean, uh, Denver has become New Orleans West, but I, I still think – um, Peyton is on a different level than those two when it comes to maybe their perception and the way they do operate. He is Arn Anderson. Make sure you give him a follow, by the way, on social. Arn Anderson, that's A-R-R-A-N. And Anderson is spelled S-E-N over at Fox 31 and the host of Colorado Sports Night with KWG and Channel 2 as well. So, Arn, always good to talk to you. You know, but poor Danny Bailey's looking at our clock because we always run over because it's just too easy and too fun to uh, to talk. So, always appreciate it, my friend. Take care. Hey, great Thanks, chatting Aaron. with you, and let's take a moment uh, of silence for the great Al Davis, who's going to have to watch the Kansas City Chiefs play a playoff game in Allegiant Stadium before his beloved Raiders ever do. Oof, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Chiefs are practicing at the Raider facility because that's the <laughs> rule. The AFC host city has the AFC team practice. At the Raider Complex, wow. in this case. I'll I bet they the love visibility, that. They'll find a way yeah. to get over it, though. We will see. That eternal it. flame is sputtering there inside well, the arena. it's an LED thing anyway, so, you know, to each their own. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Great talking to you guys. <laughs> the the um, Super Bowl, of course, will take place in Las Vegas. Just leave you with this note. How about that? 
Tom Brady has the most playoff wins as a quarterback at 35. Joe Montana is number two with 16. There's a five-way tie for third. Elway's in that, right? He is, as is Peyton Manning. Yep. 14. Steve Young, 14. Terry Bradshaw, 14. 14. The newest member is Patrick Mm -hmm. Mahomes with 14 playoff victories already in his career. That, to me, is just jaw-dropping. I mean, to, to think that that's what level he's at, that is absolutely remarkable at the age of 28. The local weekend around college hoops was not as friendly as it was for the teams that won in football. We'll take a peek next to My Life Sports. Got a problem with me, can't fake kicking, kicking, politicking. I ain't worried about it. I know God is with me. Your peace of mind is worth a dollar fifty. But last year I made seven million, then had to do a single show. Should I too much up at Coca-Cola for the check that cut me at the Super Bowl? On my life moments is a super Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Not the strongest weekend as we left of the weekend. We looked at the possibility. <laughs> by the way, yes. it's, it seemed for a little bit, and and you know, I guess it's it's still it's still a possibility. But as a uh, paraphrasing Yogi Berra, it gets uh, late real early out here. Yeah, the. College basketball weekend locally was, to maybe to put it kindly, a disaster. <laughs> That's putting it kindly, yes. <laughs> it was not entirely disqualifying, but especially with respect to Colorado State, they're going to look back on that game, I think, at the end of the year if they don't make the tournament and say that was the game that kept us out, a game we led at Wyoming. By nine with 40 seconds to play. seconds. And we blew it. They forced overtime. They're up in overtime by four with under two minutes to play. Look to be in good shape even in the overtime. And they just got blitzed. Both in regulation in the last minute and in overtime in the last two minutes. They got blitzed. And Wyoming's a decent team that's well coached. And I love Nico Medved, the Colorado State coach. But You've got a nine-point lead with 40 seconds to go. You've got to negotiate that game to a successful conclusion. That's a good way of putting it. It really is. You just have to ma- you have to manage it. You have to find ways to do it. The Rams still 15 and five. The problem is the three and four in the Mountain West is, is a, a terrible place to be for a team that had been ranked on two separate occasions. It won't be when ranked you're, when you're talking about uh, <laughs> yeah, art. Uh, they are not, and and they they are going to have to finish strong. Now, there's still yeah. look. There's a lot of games to go. Sure, uh, sure. Oh, oh, there's more than half they, they a season's play, yeah. worth of conference. They play games. tomorrow night uh, in in Moby against San Diego State, and to get the idea of the the, the Rams Big getting game. attention with yeah. their start, uh, six of their games will still yeah. be on the CBS Sports Network now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so that they've uh, they've gotten the attention track. and they've gotten the visibility. Now you have to find a way to cash it. In and that's an important part of of this as well. So a, a rough, rough weekend for the Rams. Uh, things aren't necessarily done, but the uh, Buffaloes ended up losing in Washington State. They lose uh, seventy eight to sixty nine there as well. Another, you know, they're kind of in a similar spot here. They're fifteen and six compared to the Rams being fifteen and five. The advantage the Buffs have, yes, is and you know this is one hundred percent true. 
The Pac-12 is an inferior basketball conference to the Mountain West. It is. And so the Buffaloes find themselves in third. Well, had they won on Saturday. Yeah, they would have been in first. They would have been in first. All alone. So it was a missed opportunity, but it wasn't disqualifying either. Not as bad. And as long as as Colorado stays clean at home, they should be in pretty good shape. Now, they'll have to play well in the tournament, too. They can't just be one and done in the conference tournament at the end of the year. Um, They didn't play well the other day, except for the fact that they got down big in the second half and they made a little bit of a push to get back within striking distance in the last five, six minutes, and they didn't play well enough to sustain it and come up with a win. But... You know, it's a nine-point loss. Uh, Washington State is good. Uh, They did go to Seattle and Pullman and get a split, and that's progress for a team that's only won one game on the road. They picked a good one to win in the Washington uh, And they won that handily, 17-point win. Right. And their schedule now, uh, they played a lot of road games recently. Their their schedule... I think they've got Utah at Utah yes, on, Saturday. on Saturday. Correct. But they get a week here. You know, we talked about the Avalanche mm-hmm. earlier being able to reset. Colorado can do that too. Um, I think for CU, they need a little more from the bench. They they got a one man bench, and that's Luke O'Brien. They need a little more from the bench, and they need the stars pretty much every game to play like stars. And I liken CU's situation to the one at Kansas. And I think Kansas has about five, six guys who are either outstanding players, all Americans, or proven winners. And and they got a freshman at six nine and Furphy who's who's a good player. But they're built like CU's built. And the lack of depth is hurting them in the regular season. The difference is we know Kansas being the postseason. Right. CU still has to get there. I think in the postseason, actually, CU will be a good team if they can just get there because they've got the great starting five. This is their 13th season in the Pac-12. Next year, of course, they'll join Kansas. In, Best starting in, five in CU 12. has had, in my opinion. 48 road trips in conference. Over those 13 years, the Buffs have swept three of them. Yeah. Well, this has just historically not been a just, good road program. They, they haven't and, been and a good they, road program. got to program. find a way to do it. They'll yeah. be back at it as Sandy Mitch Saturday at Utah at DU, where things have been looking up of late. They, they got lost blitzed by uh, uh, Omaha. They got beat yeah. by 19, 19 points. At got home. clobbered yeah. at home. Uh, that puts them, it, again, a little bit luckier because of their conference. 13 yes. and 9 overall for the Pios. But second in the summit. It, now, that's all that matters. As you pointed out, one team of the summit is going to make the tournament. Right. And the, the tournament matters. You can finish first in the regular season. You don't win the tournament. Doesn't but matter. You're you not want getting, that. You want that. You don't win the conference seating. tournament. You're not getting into right. the national. And therefore, the seating matters a lot. Well, yeah. You want you you want a favorable uh, seating position certainly. Um, but DU's losing games to teams below them in the standings. Yeah. That's that's the one disturbing. Uh, part that of their year so far. Going and they're correctly. overly reliant, especially on offense uh, for Bruner, and they aren't 
seemingly all that good a defensive team. I like the way they play. They're more entertaining to watch. They play at a pace that I think is uh, um, appropriate uh, for the talent that's there. But if they aren't clicking offensively, they're going to give up a ton of points because uh, the, the games are played fast. And that that's that's really uh, the fly in the ointment for them. They've, they've got to be efficient on offense because they're, they're not imposing on uh, the defensive end of the floor. But it, it's it's a lost weekend. Uh, uh, DU Hockey lost twice at North Dakota, 5-2 and 4-2. Uh, North Dakota's really good. Uh, DU has a lot of freshmen, and North Dakota kept them at bay uh, two goals in each game, and DU is not a great defensive team. CU women split uh, this weekend. They're going on their road trip. Yeah. They went to Oregon State, who was ranked 25th. Oregon State knocked them off by six. They bounced back on Sunday and blitzed Oregon 61 Good to 48, but the loss drops them in the rankings. I don't think it's a disaster because they're still ranked sixth in the nation, okay. but they are two and two in their last four, and it's pretty obvious the conference is going to be. Uh, a grind. They have no, much two better on the road and conference they, yeah, for the women. Four home games remaining for the CU women. Five on the road, so it's not a a favorable schedule, including games against four ranked teams. Because the Pac-12 for the ladies is absolutely loaded, so it is going to be a road for the uh, the CU women as well. But now still ranked sixth in the country, looking pretty good there. The Denver Nuggets, after knocking off the Joel Embiid less. <laughs> Sixers dodged the reigning MVP. Now a couple of past MVPs get to square off tonight in Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Both oh, I of, think in Mr. Lillard is showing Both up of too. whom have uh, won two in a row. And yes, Dame time. Uh, and look. I think he's showing he's, up. Uh, he's had his moments in Denver as well. We'll take a look at the Bucks yeah. and the Nuggets in a huge game. We'll do that next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Nuggets will take on the Milwaukee Bucks tonight in what should be a very entertaining game. The Bucks uh, sitting second in the Eastern Conference, three games behind the Celtics, thirty-two and fourteen. The Nuggets, thirty-two and fifteen. That's good for fourth in the tight Western Conference, where only one and a half games separate the top four teams. But but it's it's the uh, Star power to a certain extent. Damian Lillard with the Bucks, averaging 25.3 points, 4.3 boards, and 6.3 assists in his career against the Nuggets, of which he's played them 37 times, obviously. Longtime Portland Trailblazers has averaged 24.5, 4.2 boards, and 7.4 assists. So he's been basically his career average, not necessarily standing out against the Nuggets in his career except for, like, the times he has when he'll blow up in fourth quarter. Remember that multiple take overtime over playoff game here a few yeah, years back? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and and Lillard still has his game, but in Jokic's and, and, and Giannis's case, you're talking about the four of the last five MVPs go to these two yeah, guys. That's right. Uh, they have played 13 games against one another, and they do hold each other's numbers 
down. And in Giannis's case, Giannis is a great defensive player. 24 points, 9.6 boards, and 5 assists. A little bit under uh, his averages. Jokic against Giannis, 22.3. That's quite a bit below. 9.5 rebounds is about the same. 8.6 assists, little below. But these two guys do their teams. We heard Nikola Jokic earlier talk about how the, the idea that uh, he's not playing the guy necessarily in front of him. He's playing the teams. Right. But the two teams are led by those two men. Yeah. And they do a pretty good job against each other's stars because both Jokic and Giannis ha- find themselves having to grind through some of these games a little bit against one another. And, and I think it should make for a terrific basketball game. Jamal Murray, of course, with Damian Lillard being on the other side, uh, watching Jamal and how he goes, I think, will be a big part of what decides this game. I agree. Uh, I, I don't think it's just Jokic, Giannis. I, I think you have to put Murray and Lillard in there, too. It's an intriguing uh, matchup. Uh, Lillard's been an all-star. Murray never has. So it's one of those games where Murray will, will be up for it, I think. I think. Now, up for that challenge. Lillard uh, has not uh, uh, made uh, many all-defensive teams during his years in the league. So I think we'll see a lot of points tonight yeah. uh, on, on both sides. Um Jokic and Giannis are interesting. There are all kinds of subtle differences, I understand, between the two. But fundamentally, I would say, uh, although you couldn't have uh, made this statement on the basis of what we saw the other day, Jokic is a better foul shooter and Giannis is a better defensive player. Uh, yes, other than that, I agree with that. I <laughs> not agree. much to choose. Yeah, otherwise they'll both, uh, it's kind of pick your poison because they can beat you in a lot of different ways. And- Boy, what was going on with Nicole at the foul line the other day. That was that was a little odd. Yeah, I, I think they've got to start being careful. And this is Malone, not Dave, uh, of Jokic's minutes. They're they're getting a little high. They're they're north of thirty five consistently now, and that's way way too. Yeah, he's minutes. averaging on the season and I now. Think he was tired the other he's day. He's averaging thirty three point six to miss free throws. I mean, I think that's it. You know, he's averaging almost averaging almost thirty four. Well, it hasn't been 34 the last know. eight, ten games. Yeah, but that's brought it's the, the way average over all that. the way up. Way over. And that. keep in mind, of course, that the, you call it, you know, secondary scoring. You have a, an interesting matchup potentially in Chris Middleton and Michael Porter Jr., both guys averaging kind of similar numbers. Middleton, 14.9 per game. Porter Jr. was 16 a game. There's a lot of things that there's not a lot, I think, between these teams when you look at their. Starting, they five. run good offense. Yeah, they're smart. And they have they run good offense. offense. Uh, it is maybe one of these games where the benches are going to decide it. Well, I think so. And and Milwaukee's bench is not deep, but they do have uh, Portis. Yes, and Portis can put up starters numbers uh, on certain nights. He's a little erratic, uh, but he can put up starters numbers. Uh, I love the way Watson played the other day for Denver again in the Philadelphia. And that's game. one of the he factors too. He was one too. guy who was not affected. I think it did affect some people uh, that MB did not play, and they found out at the last minute. And even though Malone implored them immediately before the game, don't take them lightly, please. They they they're still good. They're still dangerous, and the guys they have playing today of guys who are saying they need more minutes, they want more minutes, they deserve more minutes. Beware. Uh, I I. I think Watson struck me as the one guy who didn't fall for this being an easy game. He looked at it. I have an opportunity, right? Because their bench is starting. Yeah, I'll, I'll get and to they're playing guys on the bench, unload who on the aren't other guys. used to playing. I mean, Kenyon Martin's kid is not used to playing 19 minutes. Right. I promise you, he's nowhere near averaging that coming off the bench. 
And Watson took a look at that, I think, and he filled up the box score. I thought, it, you know, he was minus six in 21 minutes, but I thought he was excellent. Uh, much better than uh, Jackson and Brown and uh, Jordan Hartley played. I mean, 11 minutes. Uh, but, uh, yes, I, I think tonight um, it would be nice to see Brown, who's who's been okay, but I, I think the again in the last ten to fifteen games, their best player off the bench has been Watson. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Better than uh, Reggie Jackson. Better than Christian Brown. Christian Brown is sort of I, I'm not going to say regressed, but I would say that the expect the hoped not, for not, improvement has not, not materialized. He's, yeah, he's not involved offensively. Uh, I think teams defensively are matching up against him a little better uh, with with a lot of size and length that makes it hard for him harder yeah. for him to defend he hasn't snuck up on guys and, anymore right, this year he's right he's not sneaking up on people watson maybe cuz watson didn't play a lot last year right and watson's length and his hustle um uh, his judgment sometimes isn't the greatest but he's a much better shooter than I thought he was. Big name probably tonight for Contavious Caldwell Pope. Remember, uh, old old friend, friend, kind of Malik Beasley actually now starts at the two he does. for the for he the does. Bucks. Yeah. And uh, quite he's, frankly, he's been a pretty good player for Milwaukee. a bit. But, th- but he's had a tough go of it this month. For the most part, the shooting has really been problematic. He's been really inaccurate, especially over the last couple weeks. Yeah, and he's he's another one who get, gets into these spells sometimes. He does where he'll just keep shooting and shooting, and they're not good shots. And he'll force things a little bit, but and I think uh, yes, Caldwell it'll be Pope might be, he'll be able up. to. He'll be up for Denver tonight. Bother him in, in a fan that way, and, and I think Beasley's one of those guys that, unfortunately, like you said, when he gets harassed, he tries to shoot his way out of it. Yeah, and if you're the Denver that Nuggets, always the best that's one. exactly what yeah. you'd like to do. I, yeah, you're you're not looking. I'm not looking for Middleton. Every or, shot that's not Giannis or right. you know Porter's. Yeah, I'm like yeah. Exactly. Every if shot Malik Beasley's that Beasley taking takes great. is a shot that Lillard. Yeah, Giannis, even Middleton can't take out it. Middleton missed the last game. Yeah, I don't know how healthy. Yeah, he is. I don't know how healthy he is either. So we'll see. But the it's obviously a big game and a good one benchmark. And keep in mind, of course, even after that on Wednesday, then they get the Oklahoma City Thunder, the first place Oklahoma uh, City yeah, Thunder, but also an Oklahoma City team that got shocked, blown out by the Pistons the other day in Detroit. But still, but the Pistons are still. six. And forty folks. Yeah, that was their sixth. And, win they, of the and season. they they were blown out. They they took the Pistons lightly, and the Pistons got uh, from their young center one of those twenty twenty games that sometimes comes out of that nowhere. they used to get with the uh, Andre Drummond back in the day with some of those things. But yeah, they blasted the yeah. Thunder by uh, by sixteen. Yeah, one twenty to one hundred four. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was a uh, yeah Jalen Duran with that big game. Yeah, they're. they're they're, uh, they're twenty plus there. points, twenty plus rebounds. That will uh, that'll get it done. So it'll be an interesting week of basketball for the Nuggets. Obviously, yes, and more just benchmark games. This is turning into a really interesting, uh, you know, January for them. And going into February, they will be tested. And as we pointed out, the Nuggets, as it stands right now, there's of course NBA yeah. action tonight uh-huh. in fourth place in the West. That's the spot where I start to get a little nervous. If it wasn't one and well, a half all the way to the top, it, here, here's it's so the reality, compressed. though. Among Boston, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Denver. And maybe the Knicks, if Randall isn't too badly hurt, not much to choose. 
as regular season teams go in the playoffs, give me the Nuggets every day. Yeah. Well, so far, that's the advantage of being the champs. It's fun talking about it with you today. Of course, we'll break down the Super Bowl a little bit more. We'll look at the Nuggets. Uh, Ryan Blackburn from My Life Sports will join us tomorrow to break down the game tonight and preview the game on Wednesday, both big games. Thank you for all of your feedback as well, everyone on the call with text line. Whether you listened on the FM HD, went to MyLifeSports.com or made it easy on yourself and got the free My Life Sports app to get it all in one place. We very much appreciate it. For Danny Bailey and Sandy Clough, my name is Sean Drotar. We'll be back in about 22 hours. Thanks to Aaron Anderson of Fox 31 for joining us as well, but mostly thanks to you. Have a great night. We'll catch you tomorrow right here at My Life Sports. Chased our pleasures here, dug our treasures there.